Welcome to the Speech Uncensored podcast. It's your one-stop shop for digging deeper into the medical speech and language pathology world. I'm so glad you're joining me today to hear from Joshua Reyes. You might also know him from Instagram as SLP Memes. He's kind of like the OG of SLP Memes. Our topic today is on Josh's creative process for how he makes his memes, how he makes his um, therapy materials that I really like, I think are really awesome. And then we also kind of talk a little bit about burnout and how we kind of need to look outside of our nine to five to get that job satisfaction and feel fulfillment and looking for that in creative outlets. All right. So without further ado. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hi to everybody in a podcast land out there. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Leanne. I'll be the host per the huge. All right. So do you go by Josh, Joshua or Mr. Reyes? Oh, Josh is great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Josh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm a speech therapist in Chicago. I work mostly in uh, the SNF setting, but I do have a full-time gig as a PRN, or I'm sorry, a uh, part-time gig as PRN at a hospital on the south side of Chicago. And I'm their main therapist pretty much, but it's uh, kind of an on-call basis deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get to see a little bit of both settings, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and I got my start, well, what introduced me to speech therapy was I worked at a school for kids with autism. It was a non-for-profit on the north side of the city and we had a lot of kids with challenging behaviors and we're talking this was maybe like 99 i think i just graduated high school and my friend got me a job there and yeah i was uh really interested in like communication disorders at that point um but this kind of preceded pecs uh a lot of our students didn't have that option yet and i don't think we saw it at our school for a couple years we did not have a lot of money i was actually like the handyman for a couple summers with a buddy. Um, yeah. So it was a lot of DIY therapy at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, just getting like a notebook, cutting out pictures from magazines, using that for communication. Nice. Um, and yeah, working there, there was a speech therapist naturally, and they always encouraged me to go into speech, but I was always kind of hesitant. I'm like, I don't know if I want to work with kids with autism. Uh, I think I want to do history or English. I'm an English major. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I ended up going into speech, which was a great turn for me. So tell me a little bit more about your meme life and then also the materials that you've created that, like, I'm a super huge fan of. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice. Um, The memes, it it started... I started in a sniff and all my placements were in the hospitals and I really liked the hospital. And then the switch to sniffs was a big change because there's productivity, Mm. expectation to get minutes, all that stuff. And um, I was pretty spoiled with my first job. I had a great caseload and then I wanted to move closer to the city. I was like in the far suburbs at that point. And I started working at homes where the caseload was not ideal. Uh, for me personally, everybody has like their sweet spot, but I didn't like long-term care where, you know, the patients or residents don't discharge home. They just have to stay at the nursing home, essentially, usually because of their age, cognition or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't see a lot of, you know, practical things to work on for like 30, 60 days at least. Yeah. So it started as a way to like vent my frustration with the system. And I just sent it to my friends 
Um, I was like, hey, I made this dumb thing during the Medicare meeting. <laughs> you know, check this out. And then, uh, yeah, I kept making more and more. And I was like, you know, I'm going to just do something anan- or unanimous and, or anonymous. And, um, yeah, I don't want my name attached because I'm going to just kind of just say what's on my mind. Mm-hmm. So it really started off as a way to vent. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I've been doing that for some time now. I, I had a student and she was a really good student. So one more independent, I was like, you know, I'm going to start this meme page and just kind of see what happens. And um, yeah, I just use like hashtags and uh, I was, I guess, just like the right person at the right time. And I was lucky enough to get kind of popular for it. Oh, kind um, of. How many followers do you have now? Um, I think I'm at 33,000 or so. 34.3. Oh, or 35. <laughs> <Dang> it. <laughs> I looked like a few hours ago and I was like, oh my goodness. I didn't know there were that many people. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's so many speech service. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And they are there for the humor, for sure. Yeah, because they can all identify. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then with the materials, I, I don't know. It, it's something I've always talked about. My problem is like a therapist is or as a person really, it's like two things. One, I want to reinvent the wheel. And two, I busy myself with things that may not, I don't know, that may be like a waste of time, like reinventing the wheel. So when I worked at schools during my internship, it was like, okay, here's the kids' goals. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a bunch of stuff. They're like, no, we already have things. I'm like, okay, but like, I don't like those things. And if I make it, I have a better feeling for it. And it could be like a more organic therapy. Um, and same thing when I worked at that school, I, um, I just kept like making my own stuff. And then when PEX came out, it was a very limited vocabulary and I've, I taught myself Photoshop and Illustrator, which is what I used to design. I know a lot of people are curious about it, mostly Illustrator, which is just like graphic design software. Um, and I would use it. I would spend it. I would spend time like fixing the pecs that were available and sometimes spending way too much time on the sex ed pictures just just for shits and giggles between like <laughs> me and my therapist it's like you know check out this picture i made um but uh, oh there's my cat i knew she'd come by what's your cat um name? uh her name is grace oh that's my niece's name <laughs> oh that, yeah. uh so my my the the materials came from like having i don't know the urge to reinvent the wheel all the time. And then just being kind of dissatisfied with like some of the things that were out there. There's plenty of good materials, but some of it is outdated. Some of it's not functional. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that was my big, big issue with it. Originally I wanted to make apps and I started teaching myself programming, but it's like speaking a second language that like no one speaks. And it was just like way too difficult and time consuming. Yeah. So, well, um, you just partner with somebody who already speaks that language. They're your ideas, and they bring them to life. Yeah, it's a good idea. I, I was thinking about that, and I thought about trying to get a loan or something to do it in the past. But I don't know. Now I'm kind of happy that it's more like paper-based stuff. Because like, apps are great, and I wish I could make an app for like using an ATM or like oh, some yeah. tech stuff or like uh, banking. Mm -hmm. Um, so things like that would be great, but I I do like the interaction between like people and kind of guiding them through things. Um, and then with some of the stuff I've made, I've I've tried to make some of it too complicated for like high level patients in order to like have a, a, like an open-ended way to address higher functioning stuff like metacognition and all those kind of things. See, as an outpatient Um, therapist, that's what I need. Like sometimes I get people who were super high level to begin with. They've had 
something happened to them and their skills are still most of them are still very intact but because there was like the slightest change you know they are having a very strong reaction to it and they get a doctor's order and they come in for therapy and i'm like i don't have any materials that are going to benefit yeah. you. <laughs> like yes. all my stuff is for people like who are doing bad, like, yes. who have problems. And yes, you do have problems. I'm not <laughs> discounting <laughs> what you're telling me, but yeah. this is going to be challenging for me. Like I need those higher level stuff. And then um, some of my other friends who work on inpatient rehab units, you know, they get people who want to go back to work. Oh, sure. So, you yeah. know, yeah, I think there is a dearth of that <clears throat> really high level, very applicable, very functional type of materials that we can grab and use or, um, manipulate slightly to be more appropriate for somebody's line of work or interests and stuff like that. Because I think that's what I find most problematic too is when we get really good resources, sometimes it's like one size doesn't fit all, not just ability level, but also mm. just that patient's interest. Because um, not sure. all of them are so intrinsically motivated to participate in our therapies, right? It yeah. needs to be something that they're more interested in or more... Um, like with their family members' names in it, or you know that really personally relevant information. So, mm-hmm. okay. yeah, and I've certainly had that problem too with those patients that are like high function. It's like they're like, I don't want to play brain games. I want to like work on functional things. And in the past, I'll like figure something out. But um, yeah, there is a lack of that stuff. Um, yeah, I really wish in grad school they would have had a class on materials for both like you know school age and mm-hmm. especially adults. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just like, here's therapy. Here's like, you know, some walk books or some other things, uh, at least when I was in grad school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's other great materials out there too. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm trying to focus on creating things that are very high level, but also for like our lower functioning patients, we're going to have those PDPM changes. I know there's going to be a lot of pressure for therapists, at least in the SNF setting to continue to see patients. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd like, to have like the like good materials i i felt myself burning out for a while just because it's like you know why am i it's like what is this stuff and look at this patient like yes yeah and then the patients are kind of like i know you're helping my thinking skills but this is just very this isn't the term they use but this is very abstract they can't see how they're applying the skills they're targeting with this type of working memory task to how they're going to live their life when they go home and right. so that's one of the things that I really like about your materials. And so when I printed them off and took them in and started working with a patient whose wife always comes in with the patient, at the end of the session, she was like, wow, that was great. That was really functional. And I was like, I know, right? Oh, wow, that's so nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, like she was so happy because I've been seeing him a while. And I had a student, and so um, she just finished um, recently. And then... She'd been doing like a lot of the same stuff that I would have done, you know, the materials that we had in the room and stuff like that. But when I brought in your stuff, she was like, even she was happy and he was responding like really well. Like we were seeing skills that he wasn't showing us with other tasks. And I think it was because he was he was drawing on kind of his automatic reserves, you know, like it it he recognized what he should have been doing, even if it wasn't intentionally recognizing like he knew he knows how to navigate a calendar but he wasn't showing us visual skills and our more abstract stuff that we were doing with mm-hmm. the materials that we already had. So that was really oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad it's coming in handy for people. Yeah. I know. Isn't that awesome? Like when you make something and it's doing exactly what you wanted it to do, it's like, yeah, I, I made functional materials and 
they're functional like and people like them they're good my other yeah. thing that i love about them so much is mm-hmm. that they're big like everything about them is not hard to see mm-hmm. so are people who have declining eyesight or who have visual disturbances it mm-hmm. is amazing the print is big the materials are big it's fabulous i'm so happy <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad to hear. Thank you. Yeah, I, I try and test them out. And we have a well, she's not a CFY anymore. But uh, there's a therapist I work with Katie. Hi, Katie. Um, but she's a student or she's like a fresh speech therapist and fresh CFY. And uh, I was like, man, she's got so much energy. She wants to like, do good. I'm like, will you test these things out for me and just like have fun with them and other therapists I work with mm-hmm. as well. But um, yeah, I try and test them out myself too, and try and refine them as I go along. Uh, and yeah, a lot of my patients like don't have their glasses with them or they have mm-hmm. glaucoma mm-hmm. and just like visual impairments in general. So trying to make something bold and just like visually appealing to like us therapists. Like yes. I want to look at something that I don't know is aesthetically pleasing to me. Cause I'm just looking at walk books or problem solving books and other things as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like a nice change for my eyes. I've been a speech therapist for nine years now. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. <laughs> But you learn a couple things along the way, don't you? <laughs> yes, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I like about them is the color contrast because they are in color. Um, like mm. especially the medication management one, you know, the pills are different colors and different sizes and different shapes. That helps them stand out. And plus that's just real. You know, that's mm. pills come in all different sizes and shapes and colors. And then on the like the calendar, the monthly calendar organization task that you have for like the little pieces of like notes that then they need to transfer over into the calendar. Mm-hmm. They'll have different color backgrounds, so they get that contrast there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really helpful, too. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear. Yeah. Like, yeah I'm, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I, well, I didn't know if, like, you meant to do that or if it just helps it just be more visually appealing. But I'm like, two birds, one stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, a little bit of both. Uh, yeah, just just like... Ver- create some variety there and also just to create that contrast for like patients and something that looks kind of realistic. Like I've been doing a few things since I've had my eye trained for like creating therapy materials is like when I get junk mail, I take pictures of it. When I get bills or like mine bills, I take pictures of everything and try and mimic that. Um, and especially the junk mail, that's like one thing I want to focus on in the future. So I've had patients where it's like, Oh, I got this thing in the mail and they're saying if I just send them like, five bucks they're gonna like save this uh animal or like this kid and you know whatever country i'm like i feel like that's a scam like please don't do that oh my gosh if you made materials for like spot the scam and junk mail i would die <laughs> so happy <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that would be amazing sorry i have to walk around my cat's gonna try and bite me i've been paying too much attention to you <laughs> she's jealous <laughs> she's very jealous um yeah, it's, uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of things I want to try and do in the future, but um, I don't know. Yeah, one thing I was curious about trying in the future is uh, food expiration puzzles, Ooh. where it's like, here's a fridge, here's where you bought everything, or what what day you bought things. It's here's a, a reference for how long things are supposed to be good for, good uh, be good for in the fridge, uh, and you know what do you need to get rid of. How long is this going to last for? Just more like functional, like deductive reasoning things and stuff like that. 
Nice. Yeah, um, no, that sounds, that sounds great. I'm a big fan. I'm going to have to, I think on your teacher pay teacher store, there's like a little box where it's like, notify me um, when Joshua Reyes posts new material. And I was like, I mean, I'm going to keep checking. But now I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to be lazy. I'm going to go back and click that box and be like, just tell me. Just tell me when new things come. I'm looking forward to them already. Oh, thank you. Uh, how long have you worked in um, outpatient? You said outpatient, yeah. Um, almost six years now. Yeah, that's a nice trajectory. I think there's people out there who, uh, therapists out there who in, genuinely enjoy working and helping people. And then this just kind of like fits in for them, you know, because we have like the counseling aspect, the science, mm-hmm. the anatomy. And then, you know, if you're a singer, voice, and there's so much we can do. Uh, I, I get a lot of personal messages on my Instagram, like, you know, would you recommend going into speech and things like that? Ooh, what do you say? Um, um, I... Yeah, almost always recommend it. Yeah, I, I'm never like, no, this sucks. You know, uh, there, I've definitely been in facilities where I felt that way. Like, I hate working here, not the job mm-hmm. as, you know, a whole. But, yeah. you know, I tell them, like, find a good place that works for you. Having a good therapy team that works is, like, a huge part. Because um, yeah. I've, I've generally had pretty good experiences with my teams, but they're, I've heard of, like, toxic like team dynamics where I'm like, Oh God, I, I actually have it pretty good. I shouldn't complain too much. I know, right? um, and then also like my girlfriend taught me this. I have to give her credit, but like, you know, the saying is the grass is always greener on the other side, but she likes to tell me that the grass is always greener where you water it. So <gasps> if you, if you work somewhere, like you should like invest in your caseload, your long-term residence, your team. And um, yeah, try and try and make it work. That's awesome. But, I like your girlfriend. That was a smart cookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep her around for a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's a really good perspective. I mean, she is not wrong. That is so true. And I think that's yeah. what I've discovered, too. Um, going back to what you were saying about, like, the, the work itself is not awful, is not terrible, but sometimes no. the work environment can be. And that mm-hmm. is what we need to remove ourselves from. And, um. One thing I have found, though, is um, sometimes when the work starts to drag, because it ebbs and it flows, sometimes your work can be really rewarding and you get that satisfaction from it. And there will Mm -hmm. be other stretches of time. It is not. And it is Mm -hmm. difficult to go in. And you're like contemplating not going in ever again. (laughs) And I think it's those times that when you have something outside of your work, is really helpful and not just an interest outside of work but like something else rewarding that has to do with work and I didn't start this podcast with that thought in mind but it turned into something that kind of made my work more exciting and it helped my work more because talking with people learning more about the field from other people's experiences has enriched Mm -hmm. my own and I think my patients are benefiting from it and oh, so good. then I'm benefiting because I'm happy that they're happy and that they're making gains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I wish there was like a Joel Asting of a speech therapy, someone to just like go around the country pumping therapists up because, uh, yeah, <laughs> awesome. not everybody has a, a podcast or like a meme account, but you're absolutely right. Like you need to like invest in some sort of passion that is related to the field. Um, and I feel like sometimes CEUs, can do that for me where it's like, Oh, now I feel like better equipped and I do have the skills to do this. Yeah. Um, but if there's some kind of motivational speaker, that would be great. Wouldn't it? (laughs) Oh man. I wish I was a funny person. I'm just going to have to hold that thought. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm funny on paper, not so much in real life. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I tell everybody. <laughs> but um, when you create your materials, do you get any like job satisfaction from that too? Like, is that kind of a rewarding experience? Not obviously, yeah. not just like financially, but <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I do. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I I do get like a little high from it because it's like, oh, I I made something, and then I'll tell my patients like, hey, I'm testing this out. You know, is there anything you don't like about it? Is this confusing? Um, but yeah, it, it is very satisfying um, just to like make something and have it be appreciated, but also for it to be like functional and helpful, uh, not only to patients, but like hopefully therapists who decide to use it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I do enjoy that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Have you thought about doing your own materials? Well, I kind of play around with stuff. I was yeah. thinking about that and I was like, um, the stuff I've made has been when I do take some CEUs for some things and they don't, they teach me new skills, but then they don't give me like materials to like reinforce that yeah. or something. I'm like, well now I have to go make it. Yeah. Um, I started getting a lot of voice patients referrals and outpatient and I just did not feel like my skills were strong in that area. So I just knuckled down and started taking a ton of CEUs. Um, I had like, um, a la carte type of, um, well, I had MedBridge at the time. And so, like, oh, yeah. you can just go in there and take as many CEUs as you have time for. And so they had a lot of really good ones about voice. But then I also took some, like, other voice CEUs from Northern Speech Services. But they sure. just have, like, the, you, like, you buy, like, one, like, unit. Rather than mm -hmm. MedBridge, it's, like, you just have access to whatever's on there. Yeah. And um, so those CEUs This podcast I took, is brought to you by MedBridge. And no, I wish. I, I just started great. using it myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> Isn't it great? No, like seriously, I wish I had like some kind of like hook up with them or whatever. Because oh my goodness, I love their stuff. Yeah. Like, wish I was paid, but whatever. I don't get many uh, sponsorship offers due to my content, which I'm fine <laughs> with. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. All right. So I was thinking. What was it? Um, oh, but making your own materials, no, like, voice. So, yeah, yeah. it's really just like data tracking stuff and then some patient education materials. So it's not been a whole lot of like interactive therapy materials with patients because it's, you know, with voice therapy, it's like I demonstrate and then I want you to show me that task now and then track it. And um, now here's the like homework. So a description of it, like voice therapy so far that I've experienced doesn't really lend itself to a whole lot of really engaging, vibrant materials that sure. I have the time to make for it. Like, sure, I can make them pretty, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but when you work with like medication management, the calendar stuff, your, your maps as well, like those are perfect things to use a lot of visual creativity and contrast and make it interesting. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, and, and going back to what you're saying, like, I feel like the information is out there for therapists, like CEUs, research articles, evidence-based evidence practice and all those things. Um, I would love to see more people try and use that information and make their own materials. Of course, not everybody has graphic design as a hobby, but mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I recommend everybody get Illustrator, go on YouTube, teach yourself some stuff. Um and try and make something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like our colleagues that work in, um, that work with pediatrics do this stuff all the time. Like they, yeah. they have tons of accounts on like teacher pay teacher website and they're like, have all these materials and freebies and all kinds of things. 
but not so much, you know, for us working with adults. It's like, I don't know, mm-hmm. we're not as creative as them. I take umbrage with that. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Um, I've noticed that myself because in the past I've gone on teachers pay teachers once I learned about it and I was like, Oh, is there therapy materials for adults here? And I, I saw like a few things, but it didn't seem very engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're definitely lacking in that area. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love to see more meme accounts and more, uh, therapy materials. I think. <laughs> yeah. It would be awesome. I yeah. do. Yeah. I do enjoy seeing people like, spread their wings like I tried to do this is so embarrassing (laughs) I try to make like funny memes because honestly people are not there for okay that sounds harsh meaningful content but I love you guys (laughs) oh it's not meaningful at all (laughs) it's like lowbrow humor (laughs) that's what people are there for like it's in a you know like an escapist kind of like I just need to unwind from a stressful day I want to laugh like people want to just find the humor in what's dragging them down you know? Sure. Yeah. Cause I notice like when I try to make funny things, those will get more laughs than like if I, uh, put something on there that's maybe more inspirational or motivational. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just find that really fascinating. And so then I was like, Oh, well, if that's what other people are doing, is that what I'm doing when I'm on Instagram? Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like I, I like, I started like following myself as I was scrolling and I'd be like, what are you liking right now, Leanne? Are you just scrolling past that meaningful content or whatever? And just only clicking on the really funny memes or whatever. And I was like, I was. <laughs> yes. I'm guilty of that as well. It's, it's like, Ooh, here's like a little synopsis of a evidence-based practice article. Yeah. Oh, look at this meme with like back to the future references. And it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, I need to laugh right now. Okay, yeah. I know. I was like, I feel like uh, Instagram should have just the funny face and the heart face. Like, they need two of them. Because mm-hmm. it's like, we just use the the heart as um, just a, a laugh. Like, mm, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I, I have multiple Instagram accounts. And some of them are for, like, my friends and, like, all their pictures. But some are, are just for, like, my personal interest and then my therapy meme account. Um but yeah, I try and divide everything because, uh, yeah, I'm not always in the mood for, you know, things that are, like, relevant or functional as far as my education. Sometimes I just want to, like, zone out into my own hobbies. Are, are you someone who has, like, a lot of hobbies or? No, I got to keep my plate empty. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, I like downtime. I like, I, I'm not that kind of person that needs or can be busy all the time. Like, I have to have brain breaks i have to have just like lazy days don't leave the house days non-productive days but yeah that kind of thing (laughs) oh same same and i apologize you guys can hear my cat whining in the background poor grace she needs some attention yeah she's letting you know about it she does grace you're ruining the podcast (laughs) all right (laughs) um yeah but yeah i I don't know. Speech is a great job, though, and I think we get the best of both worlds as far as, like, helping people, creativity, and, like, to some degree, and, um, yeah, counseling. Um, do you recommend people go into it as well? I do. It was funny. Like, I mentioned my best friend, I think I did, who was uh, a speech therapist. She went, she found out about it in undergrad, got her undergrad in it, then her master's, and she was pra- she practices in the schools, and she's amazing at it. So when my mom was like, Leanne, get a real job, go, go be an SLP. I was like, I know one of those. Let me, let me go talk to her. Yeah. And so I went down to visit her 
And she had, she was having like a get together with a bunch of her friends who were all SLPs. And one of them pulled me aside and she was like, don't do it. Don't become an SLP. You'll never make oh. any money at it. Now, oh no, I know, right? The other thing was these were all school-based SLPs, so you know okay. they're all on like the school pay schedule and everything, and that's real. That can be really challenging. But she was like, the only way you'll make money is if you get into accent modification. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. she literally did try to talk me out of it, but like, I mean, this isn't a job for everybody, and everyone's not going to find complete satisfaction in it, and. Mm-hmm. You know, your girlfriend's right. The grass is greener where you water it. So mm-hmm. you got to take and, accountability for part of it. Oh, sure. And of course, like being frontline, like healthcare service providers, like the burnout rate is just super high for anybody in that zone of like treatment. Um, yeah, I wish I had like, I don't know. There's so many therapists out there who have like CEUs or like little lectures on uh, burnout. Um, I've never did them i feel like i probably should some days i feel that way where it's like i look at the cfy at my job and i'm like she's got so much energy she loves this and i i generally think i do but just some days it's like you know when's this person coming off caseload like i keep asking for it or uh you know or that's been more of an issue in the past my, my current facility is pretty good but have you ever worked at a place where you're just like these patients are not appropriate nobody is appropriate here Thankfully, not. Also, but that's just because I'm too scared to work in skilled nursing because I've heard too many horror stories. I'm like, I would not survive. Can't do it. Too scared. Sure. I I feel like I really refined my clinical skills there. Like both my placements when I was in grad school were at hospitals. And I learned a lot about swallowing and I guess like medical history um, aspects of like the patient care. But other than that, as far as like, therapy like cognitive therapy i didn't learn much of anything i I remember i worked at a hospital um like in the south loop of uh, chicago and it's a really good hospital it's a stroke hospital we had a great caseload a lot of like cva patients um and i remember just giving someone a deduction puzzle who just had a stroke and i'm like oh like this is kind of interesting but why what are we doing here like what's the point of this you know yeah uh (laughs) No, but I then, totally feel you. I'm like, it's the skills where I know I always feel like I have to explain those exercises. And then I'm like, if I have to explain it like this, we shouldn't be doing it. Like, that's yeah. where we need more functional activities that they can directly see are going to translate to the functional skills that they want to get back home and use. They're not oh, going to sure. go home and do deduction puzzles. That's the only link that they see. They can't yeah. see the underlying skills that they need to be able to finish the, or complete, you know, the deductive reasoning puzzle would be helpful in these other scenarios. Like they're not going to make that link in their brain. Mm-hmm. So oh, they sure, can, absolutely. and they can still like demonstrate those same cognitive processing skills for me on a task that is functionally relevant to tasks that they would be doing at home. Like you mentioned, um, like spot the spam like, or the scam yeah. mail like hmm this doesn't sound right let's use some deductive powers right. of reasoning yeah yeah absolutely you know um, what else i find a lot in my older population is uh at least the mobile ones that are you know out and about in communities is uh they do not do a whole lot of cooking for themselves anymore or fixing meals yes yeah. they eat out a lot oh yeah Yes, I, I I see a lot of that too. It's like I'm going to McDonald's for lunch, or like Burger King for, 
you know, dinner. I'm just like, oh, you, I mean, first of all, you have like all these cardiac issues. You should not be eating at McDonald's four times a week. Oh, man. Like, uh, but I see the same thing. I, I see the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's like a generational thing. That is like the generation where like food, well, some of, depending on the age, but where food went from like the kitchen into the laboratory. I, mm-hmm. I remember I had a patient who helped develop uh, MSG and I was like, wow, like, I don't know if this is like an honor to meet you or I should be mad at you, <laughs> but I hear it's relatively innocuous, but yeah, for some of them and like, yeah, my girlfriend's grandma, it's like, you know, Betty Crocker meals and TV dinners. I'm like, Oh, are they buying into that? Like fifties mad men advertisement hmm. uh, ordeal or yeah. Or no. I think largely it's convenience. Yeah. I think that I remember one woman described it to me. She's like, I raised four kids. I cooked every day for 40 years. I'm mm. retired. I'm not cooking mm. anymore. Yeah. It's like, I love it. Uh, yeah, me too. Same girl, same. Yes. I mean, that's my dream. Just like Uber eat every day. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing I always think about and joke around about is like when we're older, like I feel like our generation is so spoiled by like good food. Like everybody's a foodie. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen when we go into a nursing home? You know? I can't eat most of that food. I'm, yeah, yeah. We're all going to starve to death. Or we're I just going to so. be calling Uber Eats every day. Yeah. <laughs> Facilities of the future won't need a cafeteria. They'll just need like a constant rotation of drivers pulling up and <laughs> bringing food. I love it. I think we should start a business. Sniff Eats. <laughs> oh my know? gosh. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> modified diets delivered to your sniff door. That's hilarious, right? Yeah. Itsy approved. Well, is there a researcher or um, another SLP that's had an impact on your work? Uh, that's a good question. I I don't know. I'm I'm inspired by Peachy Speechy because she's got like a pretty big um, catalog of like therapy materials, and the the creative aspect of it is like what really interests me. Um, mm. I've always kind of. I always tell people that I'm probably more creative than I am like intelligent to a degree (laughs) or in other words, I, you know, put my attention into things that are creative versus like where they should be. Like, um, yeah, I, I do read evidence-based stuff. Names never stick with me. I just go like straight to the information. Um, and I'm always curious about like executive function skills, especially trying to make some of the stuff I'm making now. It's like, I don't know. There, it, it's so, broad i see like the most interesting research in like adhd evidence-based practice Mm -hmm. articles um because there's it it seems to be a little more uh, it it breaks things down into like i would have to look it up but like planning um some other aspects but the thing that was most interesting to me is uh self-evaluation uh and so i don't know the further i go on with like my materials i'm trying to like refine things more but um, I do want that to be an aspect of like therapy. It's like, okay, how did this go for you? What did you have trouble with? This is what I think you had trouble with, which should be a part of everybody's therapy anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But for like the calendar exercise I made, the calendar organization, um, there's like follow-up questions at the back where it's like, okay, you need to get rid of the appointment list and all those things. We're just going to look at your calendar and let's see how legible it is how organized it is, 
and yeah. you know how how you did essentially yeah can you go back and read what you wrote <laughs> right yeah that's a huge thing yeah um what's your favorite way to feed your brain um man i i like to right now it's game of thrones working through the audiobooks um if we're talking information um, I've been pretty obsessed with like travel drawing and travel sketching, which I guess isn't really informative, but, um, <laughs> it's informative to my, uh, to my creativity, I guess. Yeah. I, I enjoy doing that. That's been like my, my thing, I guess, just for like information or for like art for a creative outlet. Um, I'm, I'm into electronic music, so I read up on like techniques for that, um, yeah, I feel like I was the only person in grad school who cared about speech science because it's like, oh, resonance, formants. Like, I kind of know this stuff already. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's kind of – I just busy myself with, like, hobbies. I, I think I collect hobbies, which is mm. not necessarily a good thing. Uh, well, how could that be a bad thing? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like master of none kind of mentality. It's, like, sort of good at a few things. Uh, but it, it works for my attention span. I my attention span is uh short and uh which is good because i can put it in other places but bad because uh i find i don't always master things that i should master you know what i yeah. I, I have this theory this working theory that uh everybody is just way too hard on themselves <laughs> like we just have these expectations of like reaching mastery level with people who like dedicate their life to mastering something. And we're like, I should reach that too. Yeah. It's like, no though. <laughs> right. It's true though. It's like, yeah, like I can't, why, how come I'm not like a famous music musician or artist? Uh, but yeah, that's not, yeah, you, that has to be a full-time job. I feel like for those kind of passions, if you're going to make a career out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, my focus lately, like day and night, I'm really just trying to knock materials out before I have a child and other responsibilities that I have to pay attention to. True. Um, True yeah. So, I'm, yeah, been spending a lot of time on that. Um, that's kind of been my big thing. How, how about yourself, though? How do you how do you feed your brain? Hmm. Hmm. I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> How do I feed my brain? Actually, uh, nature feeds my brain quite a bit. So I find a lot of um, like balancing, like restorative balance and kind of like calming my brain just by taking walks in nature, being outside, even yeah. just in a hammock, maybe. That's nice. Have you ever tried sensory deprivation? No. Oh, you should try it. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It, I, it's so restorative, I think. Um, I'm sure you're familiar, but just in case you or other people aren't, you lay in a tank. Um, there's a lot of salt water in the tank and you're naked. So you, because of the salt water content, you float effortlessly and there's no sight, no sound, no stimulation, essentially. And you just float for like an hour or more. And the first time I did it, it was like an exercise in anxiety and claustrophobia <laughs> it's like i will be calm I, like, I will be calm i won't freak out i won't freak yeah, out <laughs> yeah i was definitely freaking out uh but they tell you that like you have to do it a few times but afterwards you just feel so relaxed like you've never been relaxed before um, I'm, I'm a super laid-back person but after i did like my last float i went to the grocery store to pick up something real quick and 
um, there was like a line, like four or five people. And I felt like a shift in my baseline of calmness. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like I, I feel that like everyday, like anxiety creeping up on me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great way to like reset yourself. And they say it's similar to like eight hours of sleep. So, <gasps> Ooh. Um, nice. Yeah. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. All right, Josh, give me some shout outs. Who do you want to shout out? Who do you want to tell me about? Who should I be looking into following on Instagram? Give me the whole nine yards. I got to give a shout out to my back of the yards, uh, therapy team. Um, go back of the yards. Uh, hard to swallow is good. Like, there's some good occupational therapy meme accounts that, that are out there that are pretty funny. Also, I find some of them are informative. It's like, oh, there's like a little bit of like, you know, education in here. Yeah. Um, I was actually checking out uh, your like mission statement, like the first uh, podcast or like recording you did before you even reached out to me. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I got I to gotta check this out. Oh, wait, you um, like knew about me before I messaged you? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not good at looking at, like, my Instagram thoroughly, like, um, you know, who comments or who likes and stuff like that. Because well, it's stinking massive. Yeah. Like, how would you? <laughs> that too, and like, I don't know, I, every day I just feel like I'm just gonna, like, throw my phone away and just get rid of, like, all social media, but I can't do it, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but some days I'm just like, eh, I don't even want to look at this anymore. But um, certain things, like, do pop out, like certain names and i saw like uncensored uh speech podcast i was like okay what's this about and um yeah i think it was in the car and gave a listen to the first one um and then you had someone else on i listened to like 15 minutes of and then i almost got in a car accident like okay i gotta focus (laughs) whoops i mean i think that's a really good compliment (laughs) yeah just like i was like deep in thought with the podcast Oh, yay, that is a compliment. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, that's awesome. a great idea. I'm so jealous. Uh, yeah, it's good to surround yourself with, like, people who are, like, especially good at things or better than you in certain aspects. Yes. You know, people are, like, yeah. funnier than you, smarter than you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Have I'm you like, had to meet anybody like that? Here no, to I'm, learn. I'm like, everybody, <laughs> like, everybody I have on, I'm like, ooh, that's good. Let me write that down. Um, like the first two SLPs I recorded with, um, both worked with trach and vent population folks and I haven't, I've only worked very briefly with a couple trach patients. Um, but I think my work is going to be shifting more towards that more severe level of patient care. And so I wanted to learn more about it. And so just by having them on and talking with them and learning from them, and then I've gone back and I've listened to those podcasts again after I like went through the whole process of like editing and uploading and all that stuff. Like I've downloaded them and I listened to them on my whole podcast queue with all the other stuff I listened to. And like, I like relearn things. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so ridiculous. Like I'm the kind of person that has to hear something or do it like a couple times before it sinks in. Same. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the best way to learn. I mean, I try and keep up with, like, reading and evidence-based practice, but sometimes just, like, talking to people and getting mm-hmm. the broad strokes is just easier. Sometimes it, things are just not packaged. It, or the, I don't know. I, I Sometimes I'll read about, like, trach and vent. I've had a few patients pop up. I'm like, ooh, I need to brush up on this. And it's like, you know, I feel like they're not giving me, like, clear-cut answers and solutions here. And I guess you can because, you know people are so different or patients are so different but yeah it's nice to just get like to talk to people who like really know their stuff yeah Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking, looking forward to see who else is on the show. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I just like, I just, I'm like, I come across people that I want to learn more about. And I'm, so I just reach out and I'm like, come talk to me, please. (laughs) I want to pick your brain about all this stuff. Because there's an element to me that's inspiring about everybody and and how they do this work or how they get like satisfaction from this work. Like maybe having a meme account or creating materials or doing research or just getting in the trenches every day and doing therapy, evaluation and therapy with patients. And Mm -hmm. so I just like to kind of interview people and talk to them about that and see when they drop little pearls of wisdom. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody's got something kind of driving them. And yeah, I'm glad someone is exploring like all these different therapists and like their, um, yeah, how they work and their process. That's great. Cool. All right. Any parting thoughts? Does your girlfriend have any more words of wisdom to share? <laughs> <laughs> uh, pick up your socks more often. <laughs> maybe do the dishes once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Very important things to know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, parting thoughts. Yeah, I would say like I don't know if you, if you feel like you're getting burned out, like I don't know, do a sensory deprivation tank float. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Try and try and explore your own creativity in the area, whether it be like materials or humor or podcasts or like. Um, one guy approached me, uh, he wrote a book, uh, I think it was confessions of a speech therapist. And um, I thought it was such a great idea. Um, I, I, I had started writing like a a journal or a diary when I was like younger, um, or like during my CFI, I'm like, Oh, I want to like write this all down and stuff, but just kind of fell to the side. But, um, yeah, but he just wrote like little stories about being a speech therapist and, um, yeah, it's like really great in touch. It's someone I follow on my account if anybody's interested. Stories of a speech therapist, but yeah, do something creative in the area. Um, you know, following evidence based practice is good, but it's I, I put so personally I put so much more value on trying to like create and think out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, staying on top of uh, new research is important too. But yeah, sometimes you just need to like inspire yourself and. Yeah. Uh, do things yourself if there's something missing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was just super fun to get to put a name and a face um, <laughs> with a really awesome meme account. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to give a big mahalo plenty to Joshua Reyes for coming on the podcast, sharing his processes for creating memes, creating medication managements. Um, taking those saltwater baths. <laughs> Wait, what did he call it? Uh, sense deprivation tanks? Is that what it was? <laughs> I'm going to have to look into that. I mean, would it work if I just go into my bathroom, pour salt water in there, and turn off all the lights? Is that like the same thing? Would that work? No? Okay. <laughs> anyway, it was so awesome to sit down and talk with Josh. He was so great to be really open to coming on the podcast and sharing his insider tips. Um, I'm really grateful. Um, Please be sure to check out the show notes on speechuncensored.com. I've got links to his Teacher Pay Teacher store where his amazing materials reside and links for his Instagram account as well. Um, Okay. Now, next week's guest is Dr. Ann Vertigan, and she is 
kind of in in for me personally like the godmother of how to treat chronic cough and I got a couple referrals to treat chronic cough and I was like that's a thing we do that I'm responsible for that are you really so I dove into the research and I found a lot of material that Dr. Ann Vertigan published and it is what taught me how to treat it. And so um, once I got this podcast up and running, I was like, I need to reach out. I need to hear from the woman herself. And so I did. And you guys, Ann Vertigan just gave so much information. I mean, I was like scribbling notes like the whole time. It was incredible. Uh, To wrap this up, I want to give a shout out to some of the smaller cities that I'm seeing that listeners are tuning in from that I've either lived in or visited and fell in love with. And so this list is Tallahassee, Florida, which holds a very special place in my heart because it's my birthplace. And Branson, Missouri, because, you know, I live in the Midwest now. Johnson City, Tennessee, because I used to live um, in Southwest Virginia near there. And Savannah, Georgia, because, I mean, it's Savannah and it's beautiful. And Asheville, North Carolina, because also it's Asheville. It's beautiful. So thank you listeners who live in those cities who are tuning in. Um, I want you to know I highly approve of where you reside. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Please remember to review this podcast on iTunes so that new listeners can find it. And I'd like to share a review that the Speech Uncensored podcast has gotten on iTunes from Julie Gray. And Julie writes, so happy to find this podcast. She says, I'm an undergrad, so I like to pour through all the podcasts out there to get a taste of the SLP world. There aren't many podcasts addressing adult populations. Your topics and guests are very interesting and well-presented. Very high quality. Thanks. (laughs) No, no, Julie. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and let others know what you like about the podcast and what's working. So thanks. I appreciate that.